done. That's no, give me a thumbs down. Thumbs. Or, that's Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, Major League Rugby Talk with James Kennedy of Rugby United New York. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by the Balanced Palette, nutrition for peak performance, and the Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street, the world's best rugby pub. Hey everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up in Midtown Manhattan at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in New York City. I think I said that already, but we got a full house today. We have Mr. George Hook calling in from Ireland. We have Rugby United New York owner James Kennedy to my hey, right. Yeah. Hey Matt, how's it going? Oh hey James, I thought, I, thought I, was he- I was hearing stuff in the headphones. See, see yeah. I, got, I got a free hat. Yeah, I yeah. see that. Yeah, I see free. that. Free, free jacks, I guess. Free jacks. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. And our, our newest guest, Mr. Simon Gillespie, uh, straight from Donegal. That's it. Thanks for having me on the show, Matt. Really appreciate it. This is an exclusive, George. I don't know if you get exclusives over in Ireland, but we've got an exclusive event breaking here on Rugby Wrap-Up. Uh, he is one of the uh, coaches on the coaching staff. Yeah. All right. So, guys, uh, before we get started, James, I want to address your squad. Because yes. you, you, want got, to, you want to talk to my squad? I want well. In, I want to address their act as, as a surprise. They're right there. <laughs> hey guys, they're with, actually they're with George in Dublin right yeah, now. They're yeah. my kids. George, yeah. look after my kids. Well, half the team is Irish, so they are with George. <laughs> and George knows your uncle, by the way, Joe Kennedy. Yeah, jo- George, you want to weigh in on that one, Joe Kennedy? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting that um, his great granddaddy made a fortune out of bootlegging, and uh, Mr. Kennedy is now entering, without a shadow of a doubt, the quickest way uh, to lose money known to the human species, which is owning a, a, a rugby club. <laughs> true, uh, true that. True that. <laughs> yeah, my, my mother told me that if you wear a hat indoors, you've got seven years bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not an indication uh, of Mr. Kennedy's tenure uh, at Rugby New York. But I wish him well. I really wish him well. He's got um, testicles of steel. I have, oh, I have testicles? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's breaking news I, in I, itself. I thought I'd give those up yeah. in the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. All right, so anyway, James... Uh, Let's get let's get to your team first of all. I'm going to take the hat off now, George. I, yeah, he's take, he's got you've you've but gotten I, in his head. But I am going to put my shoes on the table. So James, uh, Matt, let's a uh, uh, quick question for you. Yeah, you had, um What's the question, Matt? Some changes in the league. Some changes in your team. Yeah, it's changes like across the board for pretty much everybody. It's like uh, learning process. You guys have a complete changeover in your coaching staff for the most part. Yes, right. For the folks at home, just briefly. 11-5 season, playoffs, you're uh, uh, an ice in the veins, Joe Peterson impossible angle conversion kick from being in the finals. So for the folks at home, uh, why the change? I think um, uh, the guys last year did a great job, the coaches that, that did a great job, but it's how professional this has gotten, how quickly it's gotten professional. The players uh, demand more. Um, it, it's, it's just jumped on so, so much, so quickly. Um, so we need coaches with... with with more recent and relevant uh, experience on man management and, ju- and just kicking it out on the next level. Nothing wrong with the coaches last year. Keys will do a great job in Seattle. Um, Are you getting a finder's fee? Because he's got cheaper rent, yeah. pay raise, a better job. I don't think he's got a pay raise. Well, it, 
Listen, I, I, know, I, 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 know. I, I know a little bit more about that than most people. But yeah, well, yeah. cost of living's cheaper where yeah, he's yeah. going to. Listen, yeah. listen, good luck to him. No, listen, he's he's got a kid. His wife's from the area. It makes perfect sense. He talked to me during the season about it, and I was like, absolutely. You know, I mean, I've got two kids. It's hard to raise kids in this in the city, and he's going back where his wife's family's from, and it makes complete sense. So good luck to him. You know, um, no, I think just back to our coaches. Um, our, our coaches going into next season. It's 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 just um, the the players. You know, the, the players uh, just want more recent and relevant coaching experience, and, and it's, a, it's just a different game now. It's a different, I'd say, than when George was coaching, when Eddie was coaching. It's just uh, these players are very, very needy, very, you know. So. Oh, you're, it's a slippery slope to go down that needy player path, isn't it? Uh, far be it be for me uh, to suggest uh, that uh, – the game is different. I put it here. The game is no different now from it was 150 years ago. It is still dominated by that you can't win rugby without a number nine and number ten. You can't win rugby without a scrum, and you can't win rugby without a lineout. And the biggest mistake you can possibly make is have the players choose the coaches. But I've been very interested in Mr. Kendi. Uh, I've studied his uh, his writings and his speaking. But Mr. Kendi has made some interesting uh, statements on on podcast for instance he said he went to buffalo and the one thing that happened to him when he went to buffalo is all these people came up to him and said look we want to be better coaches teach us to be better coaches in 1995 usa rugby was training a thousand coaches a year at locations as diverse as san diego california dubuque iowa lawrence kansas uh, and uh, manchester new hampshire it, the, uh, the results that USA had to do with this was they sacked the chairman of the National Coaching Committee, they sacked the sponsor, and they sacked the guy who was delivering the programs around America. Net result is you have the kind of stories issuing from Buffalo that Mr. Kennedy um, so uh, volubly and, and carefully enunciated, and I, and I think it is a tragedy. Um, American rugby, the problem for American rugby is that there is another game that is better funded, is more attractive to television, Uh and is easier understood by your average American with a beer in his hand and a packet of paper chips. You're talking about lacrosse, Um, right? And and that's sevens. And Mm. the day World Rugby put sevens into the Olympics, it signed the death warrant uh, for 15s rugby. And we are watching the slow demise of 15s rugby. George, George, I completely disagree. Um, I disagree as well. I'm, I'm here on the ground. You know, we've formed about two clubs in the last two weeks and three clubs in the next three weeks. And the request to help form 15s clubs is off the charts. In the last data we have, not 2017, 1.62 million Americans put on rugby cleats, primarily in 15s. The tragedy is they're not registered with the U.S. because the SIPT players in the U.S. is about 120,000. And that's something we're actually working on uh, with the help of technology and, and some incentives and call to actions. You get those players registered, you register 1 million players. That fee goes to USA Rugby and suddenly everything's rosy. Um, <clears throat> but the f- interest in 15s and the growth of 15s has been phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I can tell you it's it's... We can't keep up. We literally can't keep up right now. And um, it's not just us. It's every team in the MLR. We talk about it all the time. 
it's us hiring more people like Simon to help us with that engagement and community community it's it's building and, and facilitating training fields and stadiums and you know um an owner asked me a couple of weeks ago um how do we get sixty thousand people in a stadium for an mlr final it's like we get sixty thousand schools playing rugby and um the problem the only problem we have it's not nothing to do with sevens it's a lack of state it's lack of fields it's, it's just fields it is we, specifically we, here in new york there's 169 15s high school programs in the new york metro area 169 we could double that if we had the fields so so, so you know, in all respect, George, but that the sevens thing is not accurate. I'm not a big fan of sevens. Everybody knows that, but but um, I'm not a big fan. Hold on, Mr. Kennedy. It's SIP registration. They were talking about the failure to register rugby players now in in USA rugby. 35 years ago, 35 years later, the failure to register players for SIP in USA Rugby is the same problem and it is holding the game back because of lack of revenue. Two, high school programs are not like St. Michael's College or your beloved St. Munchens or my beloved Presentation College Cork, where the game is part of the high school infrastructure. To this day, high school teams, so-called, are essentially outside mainstream high school rugby for a number of reasons. One, the rugby presents massive insurance costs for high schools. Two, it, it, it increases coaching costs enormously because rugby is very demanding of coaching skills from a safety point of view. Three, if you look at every civilized nation on, on the globe playing rugby, there is a fall off of young people by 21, by age 21. And part of the reason is that the young people of today are different from the young people of the past. And they don't go on like I did until I was 40 years of age or whatever. So rugby, rugby around Blackrock College, the greatest rugby high school in the world, bar none. The Blackrock College Club used to put 14 teams in the field. It now struggles to put three teams in the field. But I gotta, I gotta interrupt you here, George. I gotta interrupt you here, George, because I'm, I'm all over the place covering rugby. I am, and I've got, I can't lie to myself and try to convince myself of some false number or something that I am not seeing is realistic. And I'm seeing. Rugby growing in the United States. I am seeing just since I played, started playing for the New York Rugby Club in 1987, the same year you were on Team USA's coaching staff in the first World Cup. What I have seen grow in terms of growth is is mind boggling. The fact that I was at a final that was completely sold out and not decided until the last minute in in professional rugby that was on CBS here in the United States with a point seven rating, with a point seven rating, and I'm watching. All these kids playing playing rugby, I, those numbers are, are different here. And I'm not disagreeing with you about the decline at, at BlackRock or, or or why that's happening. But over here on the ground, we've got more rugby playing than being played than ever, and it's quality rugby. Kids are getting. Yeah, listen, getting I, 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 if I can speak to a few points there, George, you made some really good points, and and I I agree in principle with most of them. I think. Now, I went to New Jersey High School Championships. I, I couldn't make the New York ones. I was traveling at the time, but our coaches went there. The quality is good, and there's, there's teams that they're playing good rugby with good coaches. Now, the coaches mostly don't get paid, um, and they do need help. Um, the insurance is not as – we're not having the insurance issues that American football is having. 
and the litigation issues American football is having, but we will probably have them at some point. Um, I, I think you, you talked about the fall off of rugby. Well, first of all, you talk about the SIP thing. Now, now it's, what's changed is now there's now a professional league with soon to be 14 teams and, and then soon to be very, very quickly thereafter, 16 teams. It's not going anywhere. I can tell you for, with 100% certainty, this league is not going anywhere but forward. It behooves us as capitalists to get more people to play in rugby. That's the difference between 35 years ago. That's the difference between five years ago. We now have money in the game all across the country. You know, I've spent a and lot And it's different lot than of, three years ago with the first iteration. It's complete, completely different. I mean, one I, guy, one I, guy I, trying I, to do it you all. Know, now I, I've spent here in New York more than he's spent right. in his season. You know, and I, in the, each individual owner has more or less spent around the same, some a little bit more, some a little bit lower. So there's, there's tens of millions of dollars of private money going into rugby, and uh, the only ROI is growing the game. And so that's, that's different. The, the, the fall-off, you're right about the fall-off. I talked about it in France, I talked about it in Ireland, I've talked about it in the UK. Robbie is not dress. <coughs> pardon me. Robbie is not reaching the, the younger generation. It's it's we're being too too goddamn boring about the game. We're we're not being irreverent. We we're we're coming across even in the working class neighbors as elitist and 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 you know one dimensional. I think if we change our attitude and be slightly more irreverent and and be more personality, then I know and show them more the personality that we all have. I think we'll get those kids back. You know, I think, how do you get the Comic-Con generation to your games? You know, you know this fall-off, George, is every sport because kids, you know, they're happy to stay on their phones and play Fortnite and do all these things. And ironically, happy to spend 400 bucks a month going to CrossFit yeah. when they can go to rugby for 90 bucks a year. You know, so you're right. You're right. But we, we now have a vehicle here, you know, in MLR, we have a vehicle to address it because it, it's in our financial interest to address it. It's not socialism. It's capitalism. And, yeah. and to that point, about his point about capitalism, rugby, for the most part, globally, has been of a socialist kind of economic model. You look at the NZRU dictating what happens in super rugby. That's not going to fly here in the United States. And I've always said the clash that's ultimately going to happen when you try to, if you try to force that model, okay, so if I win the lottery tomorrow and I go down and buy the blues, and I'm just a figurehead. Uh, I'm just the ask, Queen of England. Ask Murray Bolton how right, that went. Right. We've, we've gone down that road. <laughs> right? Just talking to one of these guys out there before I came in here. So you that, ask Murray Bolton how that went. No American yeah, fan is going to put up with somebody saying that their owner can't buy whom he wants. I, 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 look, uh, Mr. Kennedy is Irish and ever. He's got my support from the beginning because of the country of his birth <laughs> uh, and marginally from the city of his birth. But, but let me say this. In 1995, World Rugby declared the two sleeping giants that they would support totally because the future of the world game depended on those two sleeping giants. Who, who the two sleeping yeah, giants were China and the USA. You might, if you have the world rankings there, you might tell me where China are and where the USA are. And furthermore, you might tell me in sevens rugby, where does the USA rank? And the one thing that America likes is winners. And in seven-a-side rugby, for the obvious reason that it's not rugby, it bears as much resemblance to rugby union as Donald Trump does to FDR. But, but America is one of the major players in World Sevens, and it it will it, I don't it won't win a match in this World Cup. Well, and that, that, uh, that I, I wouldn't would, necessarily be a failure because they are in a pool of death. First of all, just just a few of those things. So right now in in um, Jesus, in Colorado, I, 
I'm blanking on the Aspen. Take it easy. Give him some oxygen. In Aspen, Colorado, right now, North America, Rugby North America, which is World Rugby, is running a camp for U20s, crossover and skilled athletes. Um, that's a four-month, day-in, day-out, five-day-a-week program to make these under-20 players elite athletes. Um, they're doing the same for coaches in December. Simon will be going. They are actually now, once again, because they're because there's there's money in the game. There's people on the ground that we can recommend players. We, we're in the we're in the roots. You know, we're down in the weeds on this. But you're in Buffalo for Christ's sake. World, World Rugby doesn't have, or sorry, US Rugby doesn't have the ability. Nor does any union really have the ability to get down in a country of this size to get down into the weeds and find out. You know. Uh, uh, the kid Jordan from Philly, or or Samu Smith, or or whoever it is, they just don't they don't have the capability. Nor nor will they ever, nor should they. So it's changing, George. It's changing right now. And and you're right. All these issues are old issues. And the '90s, this happened. The '80s, this happened. The 2010, this happened. And rim and all this kind of stuff. It, you know, it's it's that all. None of that matters to me anymore because now we have people at the table that, as I said, it's in our financial interest to make this game better. And you're right. You're 100 percent right. The U.S. population only tolerates winners. So we have to make the national team better. I mean, look at I, I can tell you, I, you know, I'm back in Limerick in October, and I'm going to be going to high school and talking about who, who their players are, who their 15 and 16 year olds are that I can bring to America and put in college because of the five year plan, you know. And that's once the USA starts. I think I said it on a podcast or just last week. Once the USA when they beat Scotland, it's not a surprise. It's it's. It's, it's just not a surprise then. We're in a much better place. When William Webb Ellis ran with the ball, uh, America, you know, was in covered wagons crossing to the West. <laughs> However, in women's rugby, America brought women's rugby to the world. In 1991, they were, they were champions of the world. Within three years, they were runners-up. Within another four years, they were nowhere, and they are nowhere today. Why? Because women's rugby has been banged up with gender politics rather than the game itself. And women's rugby in America should be market leaders. The New Zealand women did not enter the first World Cup because the ruling body says, Good everyone. Unless you prove to us that you're ready to go, we're not going to let you go. And who've won the World Cup the most times since then? New Zealand. And where are USA? Nowhere. Well, Despite the country that brought the game to the world. You make a good point. Mike, Mike Friday, the sevens coach for Team USA, would back you up and say that we should, in the U.S. at least, be using the women as a storefront or the shop front. But we got to move ahead because we are running out of time. Uh, so you were on the podcast that, that George was probably referring to was uh, a good one. Your podcast with uh, James Murren of uh, USA Rugby News. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, good guy. Good podcast. And what I what I found interesting about that is I can't you, believe you dropped the whole thing out there. <laughs> you 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 uh you were pretty tough on yourself. Yeah, you you were very hard on yourself in that. And I and I just got to say, this guy. I don't know how well you know him, but you're crazy enough to have gotten this thing off the ground. Yeah. Where no one else did. That's number one. And number two, so you, you were tough on yourself. But let's, let's talk because the league's got changes going on. The league's mm. got different things going on. Everybody had – it's a learning process. A couple of quick things that you think that you have to fix that, or lessons that you learned. Um, just, it's, like, it's like every business, uh, finding the right people, staying on message, being more focused. Um, uh, you know, like getting Simon on board is, is an example of that. You know, uh, putting more money into coaching. You know, I, I, I honestly, I just didn't realize how underfunded our coaching staff was last year until the until I went to a practice towards the very end of the season. And I'm not the rugby guy, okay? So, um, uh, you need staff. You need help. Have having more of an engagement, like a more 
a more planned engagement with the community. You know, like last year, you know, it was like I said yes to everything, every dinner, every thing, you know, and I wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that stuff. If I could do it again, I'd put that hundreds of thousands of dollars into player welfare, you know, because um, that's our product. You know, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, they're my kids, but they're my product, right? So um, uh, I can say, like, the, the venue, you know, we, we might be back there getting great guys, but obviously the location was an issue, you know, and, and my ego got in the way. It was like, oh, we have to play in New York. We have to play in New York. We have to play in New York. Yeah. You really, mean in New York? In, in, in the city. Yeah, in yeah, the city. Yeah, yeah. You know, a reason it's, tough, tough, it's, it's a reason the Giants, the Jets, and the Red Bulls don't play exactly. in New York City. You yeah. know? So, you know, so my own ego, my own hubris, that's something I, I needed to address and I need to continuously continue to address. And with people like James English and Simon around me um, embedded in, like, you know, they're good at keeping me in check these days. And, you know, and, you know, and I was told, you know, the rugby community is fantastic and I love you guys, um, but we're not going to survive in the back of just the rugby community. We need to get the non-rugby community into our stadiums as well. Um, so lots, lots to learn, uh, lots to work on, um, but we're already, you know, we're already a better machine now than we were obviously a year ago. You know, we're, we're way more on plan. We're way more clued in on who we are, what's our identity, what's our message, you know, so, yeah. And how about, how about on a league, uh, the league office? Uh, you know, you're going through changes. You've got stuff with your staff. You, you, learned, you learned some lessons. Each team doing it. Is there some? Are there changes in the league office? What's the broadcast thing going to be like? Can you talk to that? Yeah, I mean the broadcast thing. I'm in. So I, I can't actually talk specifics, but there's a lot of interest out there. It's it's um it's a very good place to be in. There's there's a lot of suitors, um specifically around the OTT space. Um, so that's exciting, and it'll play out over the next month or so. Uh, the league office. Um, we need a bigger league office. I think uh, the guys are slightly overwhelmed. I think we. We're looking at uh, doing a little bit of change at at uh, a commissioner level. I think um, Dean is a fantastic person. I, you know, I, I there's it, there's it's part of a bigger plan uh, that that I can't really talk about, but it's it's all positive. Will there be a paywall resulting in broadcast? Um, for OTT, there might be a very very small paywall. So well, there is one now for ESPN Plus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. For OTT, yeah. it'll if there is one, and it's it, reasonable. It'll be around the ESPN level. Expansion. I've got rumors uh, of L.A., Vegas, San Francisco, and Chicago. Can you talk to any of that? Well, I, we're going to announce the Dublin team in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and, um, and Hook is manager. And, and, and Hook um, is the director I'm, of rugby I'm, there. I'm in Berlin tomorrow, so uh, you know that's going to follow straight on. And then uh, from there, it's the world. <laughs> <laughs> Dublin, Berlin, and the world. And the world. All right. I mean? Okay. Uh, yeah. No, there is there is exciting stuff about expansion coming on. You know, it, it's once again I said earlier when George was talking. Um, it, this league's not going anywhere. There's more investors, more owners out there, more potential owners out there than, than there's any way we can expand reflective of player pool, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, expansion is, is, is great. Um, you know, the cities we're looking at is Chicago, San Francisco. I mean, everybody knows this. Chicago, San Francisco, LA, and Vancouver um, will certainly be announce, announcing one of those cities very soon. Um, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Good. And, and, well, and Dublin. And Dublin. Sorry. Sorry, McDawson. <laughs> anything that we can announce, we can announce. But uh, rivalries in that podcast, you called the Free Jacks Flapjacks. Did I, oh you want to oh. retract that statement? No. That's <laughs> not really. And it's really not that tough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's, yeah, a, bit, it's a bit. Flipjacks. It's, it's low hanging fruit, isn't it? You know. Flap James. Yeah. What do I, I say? What do I say about DC? You also said, which insulted me. Drain the swamp. Great. No. Drain the swamp. We're gonna go down drain the swamp. You lost me when you said interviewing rugby players is the most boring job in the world. That's a, that was a quote from someone else. I was I was uh, quoting someone else. Oh, you quoting? I, I, I love my rugby players. I love my rugby players. The other James Kennedy. The other James. Yeah. I mean, it's a very. I mean, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's a. You know what? If, if this is any example of, of 
interviewing somebody other than rugby players. This was this was pretty good. This got you guys uh, have a little bit of a synergy. You you and George maybe a little yeah. talk show. Uh, all right, so Simon, where do you fit in all of this? So my role is going to be the team manager role, so I'm going to be in charge of a lot of the logistics, you know, getting the team from A to B. Boss is here. Another part of my role is going to be the assistant skills coach, like, so I'm going to be working with a lot of players one-on-one. I'm also uh, working with the academy. Uh, I'm working with Phil Tarigno, who did a fantastic job last year in our academy, and myself and him and James English are, are trying to create a Phil's structure. the man. Phil's the man. He wears great blazers. Yeah, he's, he's got great blazers. But, uh, Better think, than your blazers, Matt, i got to say. It's still hard to do. I think to your point, George, earlier about, um, you know, USA not, not competing at, um, at an elite level, I think that, you know, because my experiences with the GA, Gaelic Athletic Association, over the last couple of years and working with New York specifically, and what we had to do is to create a, a pathway for players to play in at elite level. So I think with our with our academy structure that we're hoping to put in place for over the next couple of years, that we want our players at under 18, under 20, under 23 level to be able to compete with tier one nations and i think until it starts at that level the youth level that uh, you know it's going to be a lot harder to just automatically think that they're going to be able to compete at that level until we start competing all the way ups in the rankings and i don't think that um you know we can realistically compete with the tier one but it starts with our clubs and it's going to finish with the u.s national team and that's my ambition is to be a part of that yeah, and just and, ju- and just so you know um uh, gary gold I am, i'm back playing again and I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, like I'm training tonight with Queen's Rugby Club, and um, I'm ready. Get in line. I'll be the I can, I can, be, lo- fly I can be loose yeah. our tight. Yeah. You know, I can cover back row. So, you know, I'm very, very uh, utilitarian. All right. So it's a good segue. So, uh, guys, I'm going to ask each one of you. Uh, because Team USA's roster, when it goes to Japan, will at least have half of the players with Major League Rugby experience. How are they going to fare in the World Cup? George, go first. Won't win a match. And will they be competitive? They've always been competitive because the one thing Americans are is brave and they're intensely physical and they tackle like runaway trucks. But what they have never been ever is they've never been skillful enough, strategic enough to compete at the top level. And the real thing that people should be thinking about is soccer in America has a much longer tradition than rugby. And men's soccer has can't beat anybody. The interesting thing is in eight World Cups, American women have won four of them, been runner-up three times and third once. They've never been out of the top three in eight World Cups. American women could do the same thing for rugby. And we've got the, what I would give one piece of advice to Mr. Kendi, who I admire his his generosity of spirit uh, massively. If you ignore history, you live to repeat it. And the history of USA rugby is littered with bad decisions. But, but George, George, you're also ignoring history. The US, uh, US rugby has two gold medals in 15s. USA Rugby played, right. played, right. played, played a very successful... Right. 1920 uh, few, and 1924. And, and they also played a very successful few years of college rugby when the uh, American football was banned under, under Teddy, and Teddy Roosevelt brought it back. So, so there, you can go far back in history and, and find out history that suits every story. That's right. right. In so. your face, Simon. Yeah, in your face. I don't face. think we have that. Does Ireland have any Olympic, well, Olympic, no gold, Olympic medal. gold medals for Ireland in oh. rugby? All right. Yeah. I, I think, like, listen, uh, I... I know a lot of guys going on that, and I know how good they are, and I know how better they've gotten, but geez, that group. You know, I mean, I'm if, picking, if, if, if Ireland was in that group, you know, <laughs> you know I, I'd be tough. No wins? 
Uh, they'll beat they'll beat they'll beat one they will win one. I may maybe even two. I think they're gonna beat Tonga. That's my my prediction is they're gonna beat Tonga. I think they're gonna beat Tonga. I think AJ McGinty's a fantastic out half and I know that some of the Rooney lads that are going, they would make, you know, a lot of a lot of tier one nation competitions. So I mean they beat Samoa, they beat um who's the other team to beat in the in the, the Scotland. PNC. Oh, they beat Scotland oh, well, they, last well, year, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then they, they were very competitive against a very good Japan team. Like yeah. so there's every reason I think I think for them to beat Tonga and you seen what England did to Ireland there over the weekend. Like and they so had that, eight that, potential starters on the bench right. versus Japan, by the way. Right. So it wasn't there. Not that Japan didn't do the same thing, but Team USA had a lot of players on the bench. Uh you said out half. Folks for for, for the folks at home, out half is another way of call, saying te- uh, fly half. Yeah, essentially the issue of the number 10 is Protestants call it fly half, Catholics call it out half. That's how you know. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, George. <laughs> Jesus. There's no, there's no place for that. There's no place for there that. There certainly is place for that, and it's no, right no, here. Man. All right, gentlemen, on that note, we are out of time. I want to thank you for a very spirited and educational uh, session here on Rugby Wrap-Up. Mr. George Hook, Mr. James Kennedy. Mr. Simon Gillespie, on behalf of these gentlemen, I'm Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in Midtown Manhattan. Talking Rugby, signing off.